Now the right. Salisbury steak you didn't eat. Maybe in the morning we're going to see if Hecate came by and yeah. ate it. You know, like Santa with cookies. Yeah, right. Hecate in her house. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are talking about freaky, greaky myths. This is something that I think people have requested and that we've talked about doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to finally be doing it, honestly. Yes, me too, without a doubt. So do you want to just jump right in? Yeah, I think so. This this is – it's it's sort of fun to be like – like I don't even know how you really – we can't tackle – mythology, right? You can't talk about something so. on the whole. So what we've done here, I think pretty naturally, is we have each picked sort of characters, creatures, monsters from the mm-hmm. world of Greek mythology. And we're going to tell you about some of the the myths behind them. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I guess it's just really sort of like a character by character. It's a grab bag yeah. of uh, stuff. And I, I really think this might be just the first time we're doing Greek mythology because Absolutely could be. There, there's just so much. Yep. Yeah. Without a doubt. Do you want to kick us off? Um, I suppose I can. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I can also start you off with a, a sickening story. Oh, great. Um, we'll about 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 myself, if mm. if, if you would like. Oh, um, perfect. So, I decided to um, cover uh, something from Greek mythology, the siren. Okay. You might hey, be familiar. You you're a siren. What? <laughs> Are you saying that your sirens is the sickening story? <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, it's not that sick. Um, but so I think people might be familiar with the the sort of concept of like the sirens' song. Usually, it's de- the it's sort of depicted almost like a a mermaid creature from the sea that's singing the siren song to lure in weary sailors. Right. It has some sort of hypnotic quality. And when it gets you, it kills you. So almost in some ways, almost like the Will of the Wisp, right? Like you're sort of mm-hmm. drawn to it, and then when you actually find it, it, it leads to your death. Well, the reason why I, I picked the siren to start off with is because I think it's a good example of Greek mythology just being part of everyday culture. The Starbucks logo. Yes. That that mermaid on the coffee cup with the two fishtails, that's a siren. Yes, that's right. And I started my day. With a tall cup of joe from Starbucks. Tall as in the size, or you're saying it was a big cup? Oh, yeah, I forgot that it's confusing. It was <laughs> it was it was way taller than a tall. It was a venti. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you usually rock a venti. I was about to ask why did you get a tall? I like the way you said okay, that. Gotcha. I, I do rock a venti. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I really rock that thing. So Hell yeah. <laughs> so we went uh, we went to drop off Zoe at daycare this morning. Then we swung by Starbucks, and we we come up to the to the to the ordering little window, just the speaker. And I said, you know, hi, can I please get a? Um, uh, Allie wanted a uh, large uh, pumpkin spice latte, mm-hmm. and I wanted a large uh, Irish cream cold brew. Mm-hmm. And the barista through the speaker goes, "Hey, guy." <laughs> And I was taken aback, and I went, oh, uh, hi. And they went, sorry, I just recognized your voice. Huh. And I was taken aback. What does this mean? What, is it, what does this mean? What does this mean? So we placed the order, and then you got to believe the, the, the anxiety, the anticipation, as I wait on the line to get up to the window now to see who it is that recognized my voice. Yeah. And so the person that greets me at the window is not the person that took my order. 
Mm-hmm. But I, to be careful, because I didn't know who it would be, when we got up to the window, I went, hey. <laughs> and the person was friendly. the person was almost taken aback because they were not the person that recognized <laughs> my like, voice. Hey. But behind them, I could see the person who immediately turned to me and pointed and started waving. And I have to admit, I did not recognize this person. Hmm. And I and I couldn't directly speak to them either because they were working the drive-through. Right. Like on the on the on the headset. So I'm left to assume the following. Maybe they listen to this show right. and recognize my voice from Guide to the Unknown. That's cool. I think I mean, that'd be awesome. It would be great. I think I got voice recognized this morning. That's so cool. I love that. And the Hello, love Hello if that's the case. Exactly. Hello, Starbucks Barista. That's the lovely part. Hello if that's the case. Thank you very much. That was a lovely way to start the day. Now, if that if this is not the thing, and it turns out that it's just somebody from my life that I don't remember. Mm. They don't listen to this show, and they'll never find out that I don't know who they are. Got away scot-free. One way or another, I'm sitting pretty. So anyway. absolutely. That was uh, just uh, uh, my little inspiration to dive into the siren. I do, admittedly, though, think that it's kind of cool that it's a a piece of Greek mythology, a horrific creature from Greek mythology, that is so Mm -hmm. commonplace. Yes. Um, So I've got some information about the- Also the sirens from Hook. We all know them. Good God. Were Don't they, we? Were those sirens? I think so. Don't they try to like pull somebody down into the depths? Maybe. Are you talking about those the mermaids that yeah. pull him into a giant clam and kiss yes. air into his mouth? Oh my god, yes. I wasn't totally remembering what happened until you said that. Yeah. Yeah. They, I guess the fact that do maybe they do sing or something, but certainly sirens usually have some sort of like nefarious agenda right they want to attack you or drown you or whatever and they do drag him down so i feel like they're at least inspired by sirens potentially yeah maybe but they they also save his life so we're talking about the the robin williams steven spielberg movie hook where it's it's right when pudgy peter pan shows up back mm-hmm. in never Neverland, and he lands in the water i think he's thrown off the the walk in the plank on captain hook's ship maybe yeah and okay. the mermaids find him as he's sinking with his hands tied and they each in turn kiss him. Oh, yeah. They're being good guys. <clears throat> they're being good yeah, I guys. Shouldn't be, I shouldn't have even brought this up. They blow, totally they blow air into his mouth. Right. And then they, they all sit on a giant clam together. And I think there's an implication. Yeah. I think you might be right. Yeah. I, I was totally wrong. Yeah. yeah I said it. Um, I will never forget you said that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so from Wikipedia here, sirens were believed to look like a combination of women and birds in their early forms. In early Greek art, they were represented as birds with large women's heads, bird feathers, and scaly feet. It was the- That sounds so weird. Yeah. It was in the 7th century Anglo-Latin catalog, Liber Monstorum, which sounds awesome. Sounds like it's called the Book of Monsters in Latin. Liber Monstorum says that sirens were women from their heads to their navels, and then instead of legs, they had fishtails. And then really, uh, it was cemented in the Middle Ages when the figure of a siren was completely agreed to be basically a mermaid. Mm-hmm. Um, the term siren song refers to an appeal that is hard to resist, but that, if heeded, will lead to a bad conclusion. Later writers have implied that the sirens were cannibals, based on Circe's description of them, quote, lolling in their meadow. Round them, heaps of corpses rotting away, 
rags of skin shriveling on their bones. That's awesome. So surrounded by their their prey, their countless right. prey, the dead bodies of the people that they have lured in and devoured. So That's sweet. a very grisly, blood-soaked sort yeah. of story. Blood-hungry characters. Deadly creature. And honestly, maybe maybe I I didn't look into this part. Maybe I should have. It's suddenly striking me that maybe them being the 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 mascot or logo for Starbucks is a cynical sort of you can't stay away. Uh-huh. Hmm. We're gonna lure you back in and leech off of you. Right. right? I I don't know. There is a reason, and I don't think it's that. It's it's interesting though, right? Like why mm-hmm. would you pick a Few few brands pick just a, an out and out killer monster to be their logo. It's true. Are you one hundred percent sure it's specifically a siren and not a mermaid? Pretty sure. I, I mean, okay. I looked into it. Yeah, a siren. Hold on. Okay. Store. I, I found a website stories.starbucks.com. So mm. it's from Starbucks themselves. Who is the okay. Starbucks siren? By Michelle Flandreau. The meaning behind our logo. She's at the center of your Starbucks cup. That green mythological creature who's staring into your soul as you drink your latte. The star of Starbucks anniversary blend. But seriously, who is she? Quote, (laughs) it's the siren. She's not a real person, but we kind of think of her as one. She's the biggest symbol of our brand, really, other than our partners, our employees. Okay. She's the face of it, Steve Murray said. He's the creative director in the Starbucks global creative studio. The siren is like a super mermaid. A mermaid with one tail is just plain old mermaid. Sorry, Ariel. But a siren is often depicted with two tails. She might seem like an unusual choice for the face of a coffee company, but there's a pretty interesting backstory as to how and why the siren came to be. It was 1971, and the founders had landed on the name Starbucks, inspired by Moby Dick. Next up, creating a logo. While scouring some old marine books, something stood out. A mysterious nautical figure called to them, as sirens do. Mm. They really loved the look of it, and it kind of tied into what they felt Starbucks stood for, Steve said. So we took inspiration from that and created the logo from there, and she became the siren. How does it stand for what Starbucks stands for? I mean, it was also nautical, and the name Starbucks is nautical. I guess it calls to you, and then you just forget about the fact that it's calling to you to try to kill you or eat you and have your carcasses everywhere. Right. I... I think it's just the, the siren's call. I think I think that's really what it is. You must come right. in. Yeah, which, I, again, I think so, still sort of plays to the cynical side of, like, this is a drug. <laughs> and listen, yeah, I mean, when you think... I'm it, certainly it, a fan. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is. So it, it does work. Yeah. Interesting. It, I mean, it's also... I love it. I think it's a great logo. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. The rest of it seems to be about how the brand... Has mm-hmm. changed over time. Like they zoomed that in on the sense. logo at a certain year, and, and so on and so forth. That seems right. to really have been, as per this article, the what they have the to biggie. say about the siren. So cool. ultimately, not much. It doesn't necessarily have a ton to do mm-hmm. with like siren mythology. But yeah, still, it I like they just like the imagery of it. Yeah, I still just think it's kind of interesting. The only other thing I guess I can think of is like the kraken. Kraken is it gin? I think it's a kind of gin. Rum. Rum. Yeah, that's another like uh, you know monster in a in a brand yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I can't think of others that are like that. Uh, Frankenberry, I mean, I Frankenberry. I guess you could say that brawny paper towel guy 
is uh, like Paul Bunyan esque. I guess, but he's he's is he meant to be Paul Bunyan or is he just a lumberjack? I don't know. Jolly don't Green Giant. Oh yeah, you're right. Some sort of a broccoli ogre. <laughs> now William did you cover Persephone oh I sure did okay can you I, I would like you to cover Persephone before I launch into my thing because I basically have one big thing okay I'm covering Hecate <clears throat> oh and then just like sentences about three others so real uh bits and bobs okay well first of all but, you're not my puppeteer yeah but Persephone plays into Hecate's story so I thought that it would flow better this way. If that's okay, if you don't want our audience to have a show that doesn't flow well, then I'll go ahead. Eh, what the heck, I tell you, I'll do it. <laughs> so nice. Persephone, Persephone is the bride of Hades, mm-hmm. the, the, the god of the underworld. But here's the thing. Persephone was abducted yes. to become his bride. Um, uh, there was not a, a, a long courtship and then he asked her hand in marriage. Um, <clears throat> here is sort of the story. Uh, Zeus, it is said, permitted Hades, who was in love with the beautiful Persephone, to abduct her as her mother Demeter. Demeter and Zeus had Persephone, so he's her papa. <laughs> So her mom was not likely to allow her daughter to go down to Hades. Hades is both a guy and a place. It's you know right. the underworld. It's hell. Um, Persephone was gathering flowers um, along with Artemis and Pallas, daughter of Triton. Ooh. Uh, and in a field, when Hades came to abduct her, bursting through a cleft in the earth, which wow, sounds very dramatic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Demeter, the mother, when she found her daughter had disappeared, searched all over the earth. Um, in many versions of the story, she forbids the earth to produce. Meaning, meaning, uh, so this, this is, uh, maybe this will also help explain this myth. Mm-hmm. The Persephone myth is, lay, everything here lays the groundwork for the seasons. Right, like right. if you think about like mythology as, um, Ultimately, like explaining why the world is the way that it is and how it operates, like there's Apollo, the god of the sun, but he's also almost literally the sun or mm-hmm. Helios. Helios, I'm sorry. Um, in Greek let's say mythology. Apollo is like Roman a fast guy, right? Oh I, no, that's Hermes. Oh, okay, well, but so Helios, um, the sun, is able to see everything and tells Demeter what has happened. Um, and at length, she discovered the place of her abode. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Zeus, pressed by the cries of hungry people, because again, Demeter told the earth not to produce. There will be no, right. there will be no harvest. There will be no fruit. There will be no life. This is the essence of winter, the dead months. And so was this, there will be no, it don't produce while Persephone is sucked down there? Like, yes. I'm pissed. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I'm pissed and I'm searching for my daughter. Do not mm-hmm. produce do not grow fruit on the trees. You know, this is the leaves turning brown and, and falling, right? Right. So Zeus now, pressed by the cries of the hungry people and by other deities who also heard their anguish, forces Hades to return Persephone. Mm-hmm. So Persephone is, is brought back up to, uh, um, to the earth, I guess. So um, Hades complies with the request, but he tricks Persephone giving her some pomegranate seeds to eat on the journey. 
Hermes is sent to – he's the messenger. He moves fast. Mm-hmm. Hermes is sent to retrieve Persephone, but because she had tasted the pomegranate, which is de- uh, deemed the food of the underworld – she became cursed. She was obligated to spend a third of each year in the underworld. Right. While she's away, Earth does not produce. So a third of each year is the winter months. Yeah. So when Persephone is back in the underworld, that's winter. She brings the seasons, essentially. When she comes back, she brings spring and summer and bounty and food. And when she is compelled to go back, everything dies and everybody's hungry. So all the more reason to have your harvest and then try to just get through the winter. Um, You got to can your plums. (laughs) Can those plums. Freeze your spinach. Let's go. And hunker down for the winter. I'm serious. We're going to have spinach plum soup all winter. <laughs> now, I, I I really like this story. I really like um, creation myths, honestly. Uh-huh. I think I think they're really interesting because they really do like, you know, I'll bring up the Willow of the Wisp again. Like, it's. I also bring up the Willow of the Wisp in my thing. So I think this is kind of funny. That's, a, that's very interesting. Well, I think, it, I think it's because the Willow of the Wisp honestly probably is. is the perfect encapsulation of, of what mythology does and why it mm-hmm. is, it is humans doing their best to make sense of, uh, uh, of something that is undeniably occurring, but they don't right. know the root cause of, right? So don't go following that light in the dark. You'll die becomes right. Um, that is a light that's trying to trick you and lure you to your death. It has a will. It's, mm-hmm. it's compelling you. Even though that what they don't know is that it's a perfectly natural occurrence. Sometimes, you know, natural gases ignite and create that light and people can't help themselves because of our curiosity to go find out what's going on. Here, man, it's winter. We're cold. We don't have lights. We can create fire. But when mm-hmm. it gets dark, it is pitch dark and you are huddled in your home and you are hungry and it is quiet and you ask yourself why and we are we're we're natural social creatures and we tell stories to explain why and i'm just i love this uh uh, sort of story it's just fascinating to me now something that i've done a little bit throughout my notes here on on my creatures and to finish persephone because that that really is broad strokes there's a lot of analysis Mm-hmm. Of, of what people think of the Persephone story. Um, but I, I just told you the story in and of itself, at least my right. version of the telling, really. Um, here is, um, uh, although, I mean, it's from Wikipedia with embellishment by me. Sure. But so uh, there, there's another telling of the Persephone story or continuation, you might say, in modern mythology in the God of War video game series. Oh, I will defeat the gods. I will defeat the gods. And matter of fact, I did defeat the gods. The God of War video game series follows a... a You have brought Kratos to his knees. Well, Kristen, you play as Kratos. Oh, okay. Never mind. So, come on. Never mind. (laughs) Be careful here. So, um, the God of War video game series was a a PlayStation game. But you play as a, 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 a totally fictional character, not part of Greek mythology at all, called Kratos... And he is bit by bit for, you know, complex, convoluted motivations going, 
god by god and killing them to get revenge. And they're super fun games, and honestly, I, I think part of the reason why we're covering uh, Greek mythology on this show at all is you and I both grew up reading some books that mom had about Greek mythology and were kind of fascinated by it. I think I have that book upstairs. Or maybe you yeah, do. Do I you do. have it? I have it, yeah. You have it. Um, <clears throat> I used to read that book constantly. Mm-hmm. And then the the God of War games came out, and I was like, oh, I rem- I I this this connects with some stuff that I used to read as a kid, but almost just as like a bizarre reinvention and reinterpretation of of mythology. Yeah. So I'm also going to be sharing with you the the sort of like chaotic God of War interactions with some of these mythological creatures. So Persephone yeah. factors into a uh, a PSP. It's a portable game. It's like the Game Boy version of PlayStation. A PSP game called God of War um, Chains of Olympus, mm-hmm. where there's a plot afoot. Somebody has manipulated Morpheus, the god of dreams, okay. to put the world to sleep. Somebody is attacking the world. Uh-oh. And it turns out to be Persephone. And here's why. Persephone was the, this is from now the god of war.fandom.com. Excellent. So, so you know it's reliable. Yes, we consult dot fandom dot com like a lot. I love this, this show. I, I admittedly like Wikipedia and all these fandom sites, right? Like these are not mm-hmm. academic research, right? They're they're generated by users. But I can't emphasize enough to people out there listening how much I just love to see what the average Joe says about something. <laughs> Oh, me too. How much if, fun if, I get out of odd phrasing and little asides. If fandom is a source, I'm always going to. I it. just love it. Yeah. So here's how they explain her story. Persephone was the queen of the underworld and was the one responsible for orchestrating the events throughout the game. She had become bitter from caring over the fallen as well as forced to marry Hades and allied herself with the dream god Morpheus and the mighty Titan Atlas, in hopes of destroying the world along with herself. She was over it. She was over it. This would be achieved by putting the gods to sleep with Morpheus's power and freeing Atlas, allowing him to capture the god of the sun, Helios, um, descending the world into darkness, and then destroy the pillar of the world, which holds Earth and Olympus in place. So in mythology, the the pillar of the world is literally upholding reality. She wanted to destroy that, destroy everything, and if she dies in it, so be it. My life has been ruined. I'm going to destroy everything. Helios radiated the ray of light, which Kratos used to weaken the goddess. He then smashed her to death with the gauntlet of Zeus. Oh, my God. (laughs) Smashed her to death? Smashed her to death. Look, I know that you need to, like, dispatch her and make this not happen, but must we smash to death? Good God. Um, Also, do you remember this from the game? Like, how violent is it? Oh, it's insanely violent. These games, these are some violent, violent games. Like, almost their selling point is the blood and the, the grisly mayhem. This kill specifically is what I'm curious about. Like, is Persephone like a big boobed hottie who you kill? Um, she's violently? more of like a, a dramatic, uh-huh. almost like a dramatic god. When uh-huh. she comes to attack Kratos, she has like big black wings. Nice. Ah, so she, you know, she's like right, a larger cool. than life. She does something that I think is awesome. She tries to tempt Kratos. His backstory is that he was manipulated and uh, by the god of war, Ares, hmm. who said, burn this village to the ground. No survivors. And Kratos was his servant at the time and did it, not knowing that his wife and daughter were there. 
And so he killed his own wife and daughter. Um, and that was what made him turn against the gods. And that's yeah. what set him off on his mission that will literally destroy reality by the end of the third game. Oh so God. it's actually, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And, 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 Kind of interesting the way that the, the the third game at least wraps up. But so I have a coworker who's very into it. Really, they're yes, they're, they're very God very fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, uh, certainly I think that Persephone is also like a, a, a wonderful example of like, um, first of all, her story is about being manipulated and and abducted, right? And then she's turned into a villain in the video yeah. game, like somebody who's essentially like her identity in these stories is as a victim. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's turned into a villain because of her status as a victim. So mm-hmm. it's sort of, it seems to be a, a big old failure. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm glad to hear at least she descends as like a powerful thing with big wings and stuff. And right. isn't just like, uh, I, I was almost thinking of her as like the hot chick in an older scary movie. You know what I mean? Like they bring somebody in, and then kill them super violently and their shirts off for some reason. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it I don't think it was like that, to yeah. be honest. The, the 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 God of War games are plenty exploitative. Like they are mm-hmm. there's nudity and there's blood and there's there's gore. It's like, you know, if you're not ripping something apart and seeing, you know, every tendon snap, you know, <laughs> it's it's what those games are. Yeah. Um, and I can acknowledge the shortcomings there, but they're also and, and the fact that they really are meant to be like testosterone, badass man. I know what I think of them. So I was curiously because I feel like they're probably I mean, I don't even know. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there aren't a lot of women in that world. So like are they in the God of War games? I mean, so that's why I was curious about like how they presented her. And there are a lot of women. They're not presented really as people or characters. Uh Right. They they are. They're objects of either uh, lust or fury. Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. That's, that's what I was kind of curious about. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but what I was going to say that I, I really like that she does um, in this game, she tries to, knowing that Kratos is, is here to kill her and nothing is going to stop him, being the goddess of the underworld, she opens um, the doors to Elysium, which is essentially heaven, and lets Kratos reconnect with his daughter. Oh, that's nice. And in the video game, you have to, uh, your daughter is like clinging to your leg saying, dad, please don't leave. And you have to like, you know, basically push buttons to push your kid aside to go do the right thing and save the world. So you have to willingly like push your, your child who set you off on this entire mission, theoretically, away to go kill Persephone because she's Mm going to destroy everything. Everybody. And even though she just did you a favor. (laughs) Exactly. So it's, you know, it's an interesting dilemma um yeah. I, I just thought was kind of uh compelling but it's just so funny to see you know uh, a video game recontextualize greek mythology and and still do everyone dirty you know like yeah, still, right still like video gameize it n- no justice for persephone here she's she's just she becomes a monster in the modern interpretation of her right i mean greek mythology does people dirty a lot anyway there are oh, a yeah. lot of like women getting kidnapped and assaulted and like that's all over the place 100 so, percent. i'm actually gonna have another somewhat... one by the end of this episode yeah, I guess it's like somewhat in keeping, you know, um, but just in a different kind of way. It's just worth pointing out for sure. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Hecate, 
who is a real badass and who is extremely popular today, uh. as a matter of fact, among um, people who are into witchcraft. Um, for some people, she is very much a big deal and somebody who is like worshipped and a whole thing. So the name Hecate means the distant one. And there are conflicting origin stories about when Hecate kind of came in to when she came on the scene. Um, there are some accounts that say that somebody who basically resembles Hecate, maybe not by the same name, but seems to be this character, was first written about in myths of Southeast Asia. But um, she definitely became most famous in Greek mythology. Um in large part because she plays a role in the story that you just told about Persephone. So Hecate is um, a god, not a goddess of, the, well, yeah, a goddess of the underworld, not the goddess of the underworld, but she is a goddess of like borders in a bunch of different ways that I'll talk about. But one of them is between the living and the dead. So she was able to move like throughout the underworld, but also move around like up on the earth. So when Persephone was kidnapped, her mother Demeter came to Hecate and was like, oh my God, my daughter's missing. What the hell? Like, I can't find her anywhere. Can you look in the underworld? And um, Hecate was like, yeah, totally. I'll look for her. So she looked for her and found her and then went back to Demeter and, and told her the whole deal. So then Demeter wasn't happy obviously that she'd been kidnapped to Hades but she at least knew where her daughter was and and uh Hecate was like I'm gonna keep an eye on her like you know it's it's kind of okay and sort of put her mind at ease so some people know about her from that but in general um like I said she is a goddess of the underworld but basically a goddess of any sorts of crossroads and boundaries so be that between the underworld and living whether it is literal crossroads like you know a street or whatever and somewhere that you are encountering during passage um doorways into your home different stages of life like hecate is somebody who guided people from one stage of something to another that was like her whole deal that's interesting it's interesting to be a god of like a concept of a place. Yes. And apparently, so I guess there are sort of um, categories of Greek gods and goddesses because she is a goddess of the underworld, not the goddess. She's also known as a liminal goddess. So goddess of like these in-between places. And she's not the only one. There are other liminal goddesses and gods. Um, same with the moon. She's known as a moon goddess. So, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know. I guess it's not that weird, but I think I, I mean, I haven't read about this stuff in a long time to tell you the truth. And I guess I thought it was a little bit more definitive than that or individual than that. I should say where it's like, you are the moon goddess, not that you're one of a bunch of moon goddesses. I mean, maybe there's like a head boss moon goddess and then just other people who are goddesses and into the moon are also moon goddesses. It seems like there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, it's interesting. And and, and yeah. just for the record, I, I just Googled it. And as far as I can tell, she was never murdered by Kratos. Oh, okay. You know what? I don't think he'd be able to get her because Hecate is a tough customer. So I'm not surprised that Kratos couldn't get his paws on her. Made it out alive. She made it. Is she even in it? Uh, I Googled it. She seems to have a page in the God of War fandom thing. 
Okay. But Did I even just mention her or something? Maybe. Maybe she's mentioned offhand or in some, you know, extended media. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Is it spelled with a C or a K? H-E-C-A-T-E. Yeah. It's, um... It can be spelled either way. It can be with a C or a K. And I don't know why I asked. Just thought it was interesting. Mm. Um, So Hecate is also a triple goddess, which is very much a thing in a lot of traditions. So same deal. So I knew a little bit about Hecate because I read about like witchy stuff and everything. And I thought that she was the singular triple goddess, that that was, again, her proprietary thing. It's not. It's apparently very much a thing in a lot of different traditions. And it can stand for different sorts of things. Um, it can be like morning, daytime, and nighttime. Um, basically anything that comes in threes. But in her case, um, it mostly is associated with the life stages of maiden, mother, and crone, which is can also be like your youth, middle age, and old age, basically. Um, so because she is known as this triple goddess, when there are representations of her, so if it's a painting or a sculpture or whatever, she's represented in different ways. So you may have seen this before when I say this stuff, maybe it'll ring a bell. Um, sometimes she's represented as three separate people. There'll be a pillar with, um, three women kind of like on all sides of it. Uh, or, you know, on three sides of it, holding torches a lot of the time. That's a representation of Hecate. Um, sometimes it'll be a woman with three heads. And then uh, sometimes it is a woman with three animal heads. A snake, a horse, and a boar head, huh. which I had never seen before. I love boar's uh, head. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. That thin slice. Um, so three heads all badass um because she does not take no guff um but in some legends she's invisible just sort of like a flicker of light like a will of the wisp situation so it's something that you might follow it might be something that's guiding you across a boundary on a travel whatever and it's not as physical as like hecate the goddess but it's a flicker of light that maybe you just have an intuition or knowing that this is Hecate who's leading you. Um, so, William, I ask you, what is the ultimate boundary? The boundary between life and death. The veil. That's right. The veil. That is the ultimate boundary. And Hecate um, holds the keys to Hades, the place Hades. So often Hecate is also represented holding keys. Or, uh-huh. you know, keys are representative of Hecate. So another line that Hecate rides, another boundary, is that she can either be, you know, protective or she can be going a little overboard. Hecate has no problem laying the smack down. Uh-oh. Um, she can be kind of vengeful sometimes. She, she rides both of these lines. She's with the living and the dead. She, you know, encounters darkness. And sometimes that's got to come out somewhere. So the deal is, um, is that she is really nice, but you don't want to cross her. And also, if she does you a favor, if you don't adequately repay her or revere her, she's going to be pissed off at you. Oh, God. And she might do something to you. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be good. You basically, like, people, if they're not in Hecate's, like, way inner circle, kind of, like, gave her a wide berth. Do we know how you might repay her? Like a sacrifice? Yes. Uh. Yes. Sacrifices. Um, 
even like food and stuff, like the same kinds of things that people will um, like lay out on an altar for a deity or whatever. And that is sometimes food. It's sometimes um, like milk and honey because that's something sweet. Um, leaving things out like that for Hecate back in the day and for some people today um, is about like a, a hoagie? way of repaying her. I bet she would take a hoagie. Head on down to Blimpy. Yeah, I don't see why not. Uh, I don't know. Only if Blimpy used boar's head. Oh, I certainly hope they do. I'm not sure. Uh, so the reason that she kind of has this scary reputation, because you could also look back on this and think, like, is it actually that she's super scary or does she just get painted with a broad brush because she works in the underworld and then people are like, ooh, that's scary. I bet Hecate is like a real creep or whatever. Yeah. It seems like it could be that way. Hard to say because she does a whole lot of nice things, but then people are like, oh, she's scary. She's the goddess of witchcraft. Um, she does mysterious stuff. So the deal is, is that, yes, she has this reputation because of her whole underworld and death thing, but that association may have colored other things that she did and sort of further this idea. So, um, it's so there's some speculation that because she would give people gifts, just like any, um, you know, God or goddess, whoever would give gifts instead of calling those gifts, um, that gift gets called magic. And instead of saying that she was praying for somebody for them to do well in life, they would say that she, um, you know, used an incantation. So does Hecate just kind of have this, reputation of being dark even though she's doing all the stuff that everybody else does huh. unclear um she does do some stuff that is unusual however so i don't <laughs> think that that is a fully drawn conclusion by any means but i think it's interesting that maybe she does you know some scary deathy stuff but then she gets to be doing normal stuff and people are like oh that's so weird and she's like this isn't weird can you give me an example of what's like a normal thing she would do and what's a deathy thing Okay, all, all normal things I know is that she would give prayer, she would, you know, offer prayers and gifts, and then people would be like, ooh, but it's a scary prayer, whatever. But the things that she did that were definitely out of the ordinary um, are things like being able to raise the dead uh. and summon spirits. Um, and also, she would travel with a following of ghosts and other social outcasts from the world above oh, i love and that was, yeah totally well i i just said that so thank you very much oh. um <laughs> thank you i can i can turn quite a phrase yeah look at you i know uh so she was both honored and feared as the the protectress of the oppressed and people who kind of live on the fringes hmm. so she's also kind of regarded as somebody who is a like patron goddess of um people experiencing homelessness and things like that oh that's and interesting who aren't living uh like a real typical life and are seen as outcasts which which holds as well with like the liminal spaces and the in-between exactly. places of of you're neither really here nor there living on the fringes of society mm -hmm. is is the same as you know a crossroads in a way yeah yeah it absolutely because it can be literal physical crossroads or crossroads in a person's life Hecate is somebody who is supposed to be kind of holding a torch and like leading the way what, and can kind of help you. Where did you hear about Hecate? What what brought you to to cover her for this? 
Uh, I was aware of her from reading something. I don't remember. I, I like reading about like mythology and like kind of witchcraft philosophy and stuff. So somewhere in there, I read about Hecate. Uh, what well, only a few months ago, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I'd never. I've never heard of her. That's that's very interesting. I hadn't before then. I'm trying to remember where I first had. I think you know what it was. It was a a, a meditation I did, and they were talking about Hecate, and I was like, "Who's this gal?" <laughs> I gotta know more. Yeah, tell me about her. Um. So another thing about Hecate is that she is often depicted with a pack of dogs. So again, sort of a protective thing. Um, she's got you. If she doesn't have you, this pack of dogs is also going to take care of business. But that also means that she could sick those dogs on people. So it's Ugh. again, that sort of like edge line of protective or a little vindictive. Bit of a tightrope um, with Hecate. Definitely. Again, that boundary, she rides herself as well. <laughs> so we got to keep that in mind. Um, also, she was known as a virgin goddess because she she didn't want to give up her independence by hooking up with a man because she loved walking the roads at night and visiting the cemetery during the dark moon too much. So if she was to hook up with a guy and he'd want to control her and have her like doing his socks or whatever, she was like, <laughs> that is not for me. I'm going to remain a virgin goddess. My life already rules. I got to patrol the cemetery. Exactly. Smell you later, bro. That's right. Um, she did, however, have dealings with Hades, obviously, because she would roam the underworld. And this kind of ties into the Persephone story. Um, when Persephone was down below, Hecate became her confidant. They were like friends down there. And then Hades was thankful to Hecate for that because she was making a situation that Persephone was not happy to be in at least a little bit better. Like she's yes, got a friend. Yeah. At least she got a friend down here where I like stole her away too. Um, so he kind of honored Hecate as a very prominent person in the spirit world. And because he regarded her that way, it enhanced her reputation as being a spirit of black magic with the power to conjure up dreams and prophecies and ghosts and do all kinds of other stuff. Hell yeah. Um, and because she was so comfortable with all of that, that's part of what made her so comfortable with the people in what did I say before that you liked the upper world, the world above. Uh. Um, she was more, she was more comfortable with people whose company is oh, always understood. No. When you said she travels with like a pack of ghosts. Oh, I thought you liked my phrase of her being the world above. Damn. Damn. Nah, okay. Sorry to steal it from you. All right. Well, um, so she had tremendous, uh, powers that had to do with her extraordinary interest in that which most people think is irrelevant or arcane. So she would read all and just be aware of like, maybe not read, but she was aware of all this like old worldy occult stuff that everybody was like, Fah. so they, she had this like knowledge is power sort of vibe about her um, because she knew things that other people didn't. And it made people a little bit fearful of her. They thought that she was like really powerful and really dark. So you're like, yikes. It's kind of awesome so, that that somebody within Greek mythology was mm -hmm. was interested in to them old mythology. I know. What the hell was that? The arcane? Yeah, exactly. When you're in the time of Greek mythology? Even further back. Totally. So because of that, 
um, the people up above were like, all right, let's kind of like keep arms distance from Hecate. But they knew her reputation of really wanting, you know, some sort of recognition accolades. So they would start leaving out um, leftovers for her after supper as an offering to Hecate and her hounds. And it was said that a lot of the times that people who were homeless in this time would actually come around and get the food, but it didn't matter because they were under Hecate's protection anyway. So yeah. she didn't want them to get that food. So That's that again begs a semi question, you know, just, just a thought, who knows? Is it really that Hecate is like, if you don't reward me, I'm going to be pissy. Or is she like, um, yeah, if I tell them that I'm going to be pissed, if they don't reward me, they leave out food. You guys go get that food. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost, it's almost fearful justification to compel people to do something kind. Right, I you know just to give just to give thought. food to the people that are in need, or else this mm-hmm. this or vengeful I'm god, getcha. yeah, she might smite you. She's the, you know that that's an urban legend, right? Like if right. you don't and if you she... don't do this this kind hearted thing, Hecate will get you. It's funny that it right. revolves around leftovers rather than you know I guess making an <laughs> an offering of you know freshly food. prepared food fine. as part of this as well, but. The leftovers yeah. makes me think of like you know when you're in a hotel and people just put their trays out, right? You know, and I mean, you can see that dinner roll that looks like it might be untouched. So let me see what what it actually says is that uh, when darkness descended, they the people wisely retired to the fireside for supper, but put the leftovers outside as the offering. Yeah, so leftovers. It's leftovers. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's like, you know, it's like that feeling when you go to a hotel and, you know, you see mm-hmm. that 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 roll and you're like, I'm not sure if anybody ate that. So, you know, you get down on all fours. Right. And you crawl right. over to it sniffing. Yeah. You know, trying and to sense it. You lick one finger. <laughs> yeah. You touch it to the roll and then you lick that finger again. See what you can sense from that. You know how we all do if, this. If it's safe. Mm-hmm. And then you, and by you, I mean everybody. Listening. Everybody, we all do it. Go in and eat. <laughs> you go in. You dive right in. On um, all fours. On all fours. This is also almost a little bit like, you know, I wonder if every night they'd say to their kids, like, okay, now the right. Salisbury steak you didn't eat. Maybe in the morning we're going to see if Hecate came by and yeah. ate it. You know, like Santa with cookies. Yeah, right. Hecate and her hounds. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. So, like, was Hecate... In this instance specifically, was Hecate actually vengeful? Like, if they actually didn't leave food out, was she like, oh, what the hell? Or did she just say that and play off of her reputation as like, oh, I'm a goddess of the underworld. I'll come get you if you don't leave food out. But she, like, really is just trying to get food for her friends who don't have it. Who knows? Who knows? Certainly who knows. But I'm actually, like, pretty amazed and almost, like, in a weird way comforted by the notion that this is like the boogeyman myth. This is the same as, you know, you know, you better behave, Junior, or the boogeyman's going to come get you. Like, it's not quite as far as that. Like, that's just the f- – I don't know. There, it. You can imagine it being that way. Like, you could extrapolate that, but it's really just that they thought that they should leave an offering. Like, there's no, like, real – Well, I thought, I thought the implication was that because she's so vengeful, if you're not making these offerings – you could, but how is that like protecting kids or anything like that? You know what I mean? Like, well, it's, it's not it's necessarily really just if you don't leave food out. It's not it's literally not... protecting kids. It's saying do something kind and good, mm-hmm. or else bad result. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a morality play, which is the same yes. as what we still do today. 
That's yes. that's what I'm saying. Like boogie, boogeyman is not a direct one to one. It's just you know, right? The idea of a Hecate, you know, mm-hmm. is is not going to take too kindly to you if you're always throwing away good food, right? Yeah. Rather than yeah. putting it out, it, it's just it's it's what we've always done as people. We always mm-hmm. tell these stories because, hey, maybe without a little bit of fear, people don't always do the right thing. Right. Right. It's true. Um. So food was also sometimes left at crossroads, unsurprisingly, especially if it was at a junction where there were three roads converging um, because she's a triple goddess. And also I thought this was very fun, like things that people would do um, in a like a practical physical sense. Um, Often a pole was erected at these intersections and they would hang three masks from it to pay homage to Hecate and to request her guidance in choosing the right direction in life and what to do. Love it. And also three-faced masks would be hung in the entrances of a lot of homes to honor her because she that's a crossroad. That's crossing from the outside to the inside. And so you want her influence there and um, to also like keep out bad guys. Big time. Love it. Yeah, because not only is she about the boundaries, she's going to protect. So she's almost like more ever, even though I'd never really heard of her, mm-hmm. this is almost like an ever-present kind of a myth. She should be everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, and she is. I mean, there are a ton of books written all about Hecate. There are branches of witchcraft that are like Hecatean witchcraft. Um, it, Hecate is a whole thing. And it's super interesting. Yeah, I I I love that. That was that was really yeah. interesting. Um, ah. So let's let's talk about um, let's talk about a big gun. Let's talk about uh-huh. um, we gone from somebody that's a little obscure who you might not have known about. Let's talk about somebody who you probably know a good amount about. But I'll give you some more specifics. I have looked into Medusa. Beautiful. Who I think you know if if Greek mythology aside from Zeus, I guess. Had a, an icon. I feel like mm-hmm. it's Medusa. I think you're right. Now, I'm very curious. Um, uh, uh, what, what do you think you know about Medusa? What do you, Specifically, what do you think Medusa looks like? I mean, I think Medusa looks like what we see all the time, which is a woman with like a ton of snakes on her head, is as though they were hair. Define all the time. You're seeing this all the time? <laughs> 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 that face yeah, outside my window every night. Right. Yeah, that this idea of Medusa. Yes. I want to mention really quickly, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, Witch Baby Soap has a bath bomb that comes out today with Medusa's head and face um, on it. That is a charity bath bomb with proceeds going to rain. Oh, well, that's lovely. So that might lovely. be something to check out at witchbabysoap.com. Very cool. Love the sound yeah. of that. Yep. So uh, you're right. You're right that Medusa is, is a lady with snakes for hair. The mm-hmm. one thing that I went into this assuming, I thought she also basically was a snake lady. I thought she had a snake oh. body. Oh, no. And I know exactly why I thought that. Okay. God of War. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> In yeah. God of War, the, Medusa is a type of creature. She is, she's what's called a gorgon, a gorgon, mm. G-O-R-G-O-N. And so the gorgon enemy type in in god of war they have snakes for hair but also they have a slithery snake body and so i okay. i think i'd read from greek mythology i can also picture the you know she's a lady but mm-hmm. her hair is snakes i can picture that 
But I think I just got so used to the God of War games, I assumed this was part of it to begin with. Yeah. But so, um, interestingly, so Medusa as as a person is depicted a lot on like um, Greek pottery and and uh, there's a lot of artwork of Medusa, but there's not a general consensus of of how she looks. In many of the the stories, she is uh, hideously ugly, mm. and in some of them, she is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I think of her as being beautiful, but just with snake hair. Yeah, and and the real big thing is, if you lock eyes with Medusa, you will be turned to stone. Hell yeah. Which is to say, you will instantly die on the spot and essentially just become like a statue. You'll become stone. So, I even theorized here, maybe there's not a great consensus over whether or not she's beautiful, because you can't afford to look at her. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so nobody knows. Right. Um so uh uh here is Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here is part of the the origin of of Medusa. The Roman poet Ovid uh said that uh Medusa was originally a beautiful maiden, but when Poseidon um uh uh and her celebrated Okay. from within Athena's temple all right now. Athena punished Medusa by transforming her beautiful hair into horrible snakes. Mm. Now that – so that that is sort of like almost like a, a, a story of like how she came to be, like her origin story. How did she get the right. snakes for hair? But it, it sort of does not connect with the notion that all Gorgons are like this. Right. You know? So she has sisters similar to Hecate. Um, Medusa is also sort of a three creatures, a mm. one person and three creatures. This is a recurring motif in a lot of these stories. I know. I did not know that. I did not know that either. And honestly, I didn't take many notes on it here because it it threw me for a loop. I think it's very similar to the 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 Christian Catholic notion of like, you know, uh, three beings and one God that somehow, mm-hmm. you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit yes. are all the same being, but but they are three. And apparently Mary is a triple goddess. Is that right? Apparently. I mean, you know, there are a million different sort of like, uh, you know, denominations and everything. So it might not be like the most widely held one. But when I was reading about that, that's what it said. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was not familiar with that. Certainly. I know. Um, so like I said, she's got two other sisters. Um, Sathena. S-T-H-E-N-A, very hard to pronounce. Yeah. And Uriel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, this comes from the story Prometheus Bound. Near them, their sisters three, the Gorgons, winged with snakes for hair, hatred of mortal men. Um, the name Gorgon, the term Gorgon, comes from the ancient Greek word Gorgos, which means grim or dreadful, and appears to come from the same root as the Sanskrit word garjana, which means a guttural sound similar to the growling of a beast. Uh, therefore, gorgon might almost be an onomatopoeia. Like, hmm. their name, gorgon. gorgon. Like, they're growling uh-huh. at you. Um, cool. So they're grim, dreadful, growling, essentially, uh, which I think is actually kind of cool. Yeah. So um, 
This comes from Wikipedia. This is, this is the big story that, that Medusa factors into. In most so- uh, versions of her, her story, she was beheaded by the hero Perseus, who was sent to fetch her head by King Polydectes, because Polydectes wanted to marry Perseus's mother. And hmm. so my read here is essentially uh, King Polydectes was like, I want to marry this kid's mom. <laughs> So I've got to get him out of the house. Yeah, right. Hey, Junior. Oh, Junior. (laughs) I've got a a wry idea. Why don't you go to this monster who's definitely going to kill you? Right. (laughs) Right? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out of the picture. I'm going to marry your mom. And my hands are clean. Exactly. And the the best part is no one will know it was me. (laughs) So, (laughs) so... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, quick aside. I don't remember. I don't remember who this note was written to. It might have been. It might have. No, nah, I don't think it was Bill Hader. There's a story about Conan O'Brien when he was writing at SNL, and somebody joined the writing staff for the cast, and Conan had been there for a little bit, and mm-hmm. Conan uh, wrote them a letter, and they said, "I hate you, and I will stop at nothing." <laughs> To destroy you. Uh, someday, I will be the ruin of you. And the best part is, no one will know it was me. Signed, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> and it was like so it was like a big part of that, that writer or that person being like, okay, I like it here. I think I might, yeah, I yeah. might connect here. It's just so funny to, to write a larger-than-life threat. The and best s- part is? <laughs> the, the best part is, so a larger-than-life arch-villain type notion, but you make sure you sign this this piece of evidence with your own name. It's it's just such a funny joke. So anyway, uh, the gods were well aware um, that Polydectes was trying to kill Perseus to marry his mom. So they decided to to help, (laughs) to help Perseus. Oh, So he received a mirrored shield from Athena, sandals with gold wings from Hermes, which I think is just style. Yeah, right. A sword. What the hell? I know. A sword from Hephaestus and Hades' helm of invisibility. Oh. This is really, doesn't this start to sound like a video game in and of itself? <laughs> yes. Right? You've got yeah, all you of these, these yeah, all these tools, all of these weapons. And, and, and. <laughs> so since Medusa, uh, oh yeah, I was puzzled by this too. Medusa was the only one of the three Gorgon sisters who is mortal. Okay. So, Sathena and Uriel are immortal. Hmm. Um, Perseus was able to slay her, Medusa, and the way that he got around the Gorgon stare is that he only looked at the reflection of her in the mirrored shield ah. he received from Athena. Ah, yes. That okay. was the, 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 the cool twist, the clever workaround. Yeah. Um, now, during that time, Medusa was pregnant by Poseidon, and when Perseus beheaded her, Pegasus, a winged horse, and Chryseor, a giant wielding a golden sword, sprang from her body. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad they were ready. Now, that is where this entire story falls apart for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand what's going on anymore. Right. I um, don't know. And honestly, I remember that from that book that you've, you've got uh-huh. on the shelf somewhere. I, I remember I used to read the Medusa myth a lot. Yep. And I think at the end of that, there's like a big full page piece of artwork of Pegasus, the flying horse. I think it's the cover. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's, it might be. It's just so such an odd 
You, yes. You'd think you cut off her head, and that's that's the end of that. But no, it a horse pops out. out of her body. Right. And we all know Pegasus, right? We all know yeah. flying horse. That came yeah, from Medusa's dead body. You know that? Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's crazy. Very weird. So that's the story of Medusa. But then there's some, some interesting analysis. Sigmund Freud mm. weighed in. He had some wild stuff to say. Oh, about the snakes? I'm sure. Oh, not even about the snakes. About, oh, really? about the uh About the beheading, which oh. he saw as a depiction of castration. And okay. that Medusa turning a man to stone was not literal. <laughs> Just what? <laughs> you, know, you know Sigmund Freud, huh? Yeah, I do, but I don't really understand... But then uh, what happens from there is my question to Freud. Like, what are you saying? Uh, she just, like, gives a man a boner? Yeah. And then he has to just stand there? That's it? I don't He just stands there. Yeah. Like, that's, the, that's the end of the story is when, for, the, for the man when she turns them know. to stone. So it's so then what's happening if it's not literal stone? Then they're um, just like, oh. I, I think I think his entire point is just that the Medusa story is is man's yeah. fear of castration. That's it. That's okay. that's the end all be all. Um, and then this is this is a comment on that by whoever wrote the Wikipedia article. Um, there are no recorded instances of Medusa turning a woman to stone. Interesting. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. Kind of interesting. Now I there's what you could read from that. I know. I have zero idea. I don't know, but there is a, a, a an enormous section about the the feminist interpretation of the Medusa story on the Wikipedia page, which I, I will freely admit I am woefully underprepared and and I, I do not have the tools to adequately represent. That's so okay. instead, I, I I have uh, uh I have copied down a direct passage, and mm-hmm. so merely to represent that section of the page, I, I figured I would read it here. Please, the book. Female Rage, Unlocking Its Secrets, Claiming Its Power, by Mary Valentes and Anne Devane, notes that, quote, when we asked women what female rage looks like to them, it's always Medusa, the snake-haired monster of myth who came to mind. In one in- interview after another, we were told that Medusa is the most horrific woman in the world, though none of the women we interviewed could remember the details of the myth. Um, Medusa's visage has been adopted by many women as a symbol of female rage. One of the first publications to express this idea was a feminist journal called Women, a Journal of Liberation, in their Issue 1, Volume 6, for 1978. The cover featured the image of the Gorgon Medusa, which the editors on the inside cover explained, quote, can be a map to guide us through our terrors, through the depths of our anger, into the sources of our power as women. And so they're they're sort of uh, uh, again like like Persephone, right? Like the the Medusa. This is now me. Medusa is a, just another story of like woman as monster, and and you must cut her head off, you know. Right. Like, and by the way, this was all like a side plot because this crazy king wanted to marry this guy's mom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's all these machinations. And yeah. and and it ends up just spinning into yeah, cut Medusa's head off. You got it. She's a monster. And mm-hmm. so I, I think I, it seems to me, at least from my read here, that there's uh, at least an effort to use the Medusa myth as as almost like uh, uh, no, 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 no. We're we're powerful. Yeah. The the point here is that Medusa was powerful. And yes. She's angry, and, and and this is all an injustice. Um, yeah. So 
God of War. What happens to Medusa in God of War, Kristen? What do you think? He, oh my god. He, he rips Medusa's head off. Yeah, I mean he must he must just what was it smash? He like smashed so many bits or something. Yeah, basically. So he yeah, what did that what was that? That phrase was insane. I think it was smashed. He then smashed her to death with the gauntlet of Zeus. That's right. That's Persephone. Yeah. No, Medusa, you encounter in the first video game and it's not even a big deal. You walk into a mm. room and she slithers in and you kill her. And you cut off her head, and now her head is just an item for you to use for the rest of the game. You can, oh. at the push of a button, hold the head out and turn your enemies to stone. Oh, okay. And so, you know, if you do that, maybe they'll fall out of the sky and smash to rubble. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But that's it. She's an item for you. And then yeah. in God of War 2, you actually fight one of her sisters, Uriel. And this one is a gigantic boss fight, like a big spectacle, you know, showcase uh, mm-hmm. But it, it it ends the exact same way, I think. You cut her head off and it's an item. Um, for what it's worth, in God of War 3, you fight uh, uh, Helios. Is that right? Yeah, Helios, the god of the sun. Yeah. And you also rip his head off. <laughs> okay. So maybe, you know. So finally. There's a lot of head ripping. Finally, a man gets his head ripped off is my point. Finally. And it's an item for you for the rest of the game. You carry it around like a lantern. And it's it's it's. Mouth, its mouth hangs open like a mournful, like <laughs> that's kind of awesome. and light shoots out of the the mouth and eyes, so you can light dark areas that you're traveling in. Cool. It's it's kind of awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm kind of awesome. I'm certainly aware of the shortcomings of Kratos. The I'm certainly aware <laughs> that Kratos is a problematic character. Look, Kratos is far from the only one, and I, it's fine Certainly. to enjoy. It's fine to enjoy Kratos. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but uh, there, there you go. That's that's Medusa there. Oh, that's amazing. So, I mean, it's just about that time. I think so. For over an hour, but I, I just have three like sentence long kind of things to throw oh, out Kristen, there. Oh, Kristen, Kristen, pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I can. Um. Okay. You know I want to hear all three, right? (laughs) Yeah, I do know. All right. They they really are quick, though, luckily. All right. So, um, Apate is the goddess of deceit. And... um, Oh, no. I know, which is awesome. So, the deal with her is that Hera sought her help when she found out that um, Zeus had a mortal paramour. So, whose name was Semele. And so they wanted to punish Semele uh, rather than Zeus, obviously. Uh, so, so the deal is that Apate gave Hera a magical girdle, which Hera used to trick Semele into asking Zeus to appear before Semele in his true form. Which resulted in Semele's death. Oh. So basically, she got Hemily, Semele looking so hot that when she was like, Zeus, please appear to me in your true form, like, ugh, he did. And then it instantly killed her. Oh my God. Because, <laughs> like, she couldn't handle the sight of the a might god. of the true Zeus. Right, exactly. Because she was a mortal and he was a god. Right. Then we have Eris, who is the goddess of discord. And this <laughs> what? awesome. Arliss? Arliss? Yes, Arliss, the god of money. (laughs) The god of sports management. (laughs) My my favorite Robert Wool character. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, Eris, E-R-I-S, okay. the um, goddess of discord. This petty icon was not invited to a wedding. So she crashed that wedding and threw a golden apple into the crowd of people, which was called the apple of discord. No. And the apple had for the most beautiful one written on it. And then all the women started fighting over who gets the apple because it means they're the most beautiful one. Wow. Again, these stories are not so hot to women. No, this isn't so great. <laughs> This is what Not women were great. up to. I have to have the apple. No, I do. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. And like, we're going to kill this like mortal lady because she, she's boinking Zeus. Yeah, exactly. Zeus is fine. Let me take uh, of the apple. Yeah, right. And so have this is it. why people like, like Hecate right. were, and Medusa. Yeah, totally. Her important and Persephone. Whatever. Smite anyway. these fools. Yeah, smite that. So that's why I want to end with this. These are smiters. This is the Erinyes, um, who are known as the Furies. Yeah. They're the three goddesses of vengeance and retribution who punished men for crimes against the natural order. So they were particularly concerned with homicide. Um, I oh man, I accidentally erased Are they the, the word. gods of murder, um, basically, um, like familiacide or whatever, like killing your family. Um, so you know that goes against the natural order, offenses against the gods, and perjury. So a victim who is seeking justice could call down the curse of the Arinis um, upon the criminal, and then they would torment madness upon whoever did uh the bad thing so they either make them crazy they may they might make them suffer um an illness or a disease um they might make them starve and the only way that you could placate them and get them to back off was with the right ritual purification and completion of some sort of task that was assigned to you oh so so they give you, you homework could, yeah, you could get out of it if you did some sort of bidding for them. But basically, you would be like, how dare you? I call your ear and ease. And they would like swoop down and kick someone's ass. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I so have, that's all. I have horrible news for you. Kratos, what, what? Kratos killed them. <gasps> he did. No. It says he did. How did he do that? Let's see. Do you, do you want to know? Yeah, what the hell? The Furies. Also, again, even the badasses, we have to knock them down a peg. They were depicted as ugly winged women with um, hair, like hairy, hairy bodies, and had waists that were entwined with poisonous serpents. Um, and they wore either the long black robes of mourners or the short skirts and boot and boots of huntress maidens. So they would either be busted or they're wearing a short skirt and boots, you know, which is good material for hunters to be wearing. Busted. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny to say busted. <laughs> they were either busted. Um, well, as it turns out, uh, and again, listen, it brings me no joy to say this. Sure. The Furies are the main antagonists of God of War Ascension. I think this is the one that I didn't play. Okay. They hunt Kratos for betraying Ares. Mm -hmm. um, let's see what they do here. Uh, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Oh, my God. This starts in the beginning of time. The Furies okay. were formed. This is going this is, this is to be. <laughs> this is Just no... scroll all the way to the end. <laughs> is there a TL TLDR? Oh, it's so long. Oh, forget it. No, I mean, I can scroll to the. I can find the bottom. Okay. I'm just saying, holy guacamole. <laughs> 
<laughs> you probably right. smashed them to death. Yeah, probably. I mean, that that really, you know, that's just going to be the answer. So <clears throat> let's see here. Um, Electo morphed into her sea monster form and attacked Kratos. After a long battle with the sisters, Kratos heavily injures Electo's monster form by impaling a ship mast into her mouth and carving her skull open. Oh, God. That doesn't sound good. Yikes. Uh, Kratos kills Damon and starts beating Tissaphone to death. <laughs> My God. He went hard on the Furies. <laughs> yeah, he's mad. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Kratos manages to see through their illusions. Um, and he, he kill. Oh, okay. Uh, he kills her by breaking her neck. As the last Fury lies dying, Electo promises Kratos that her death will not free him from his madness. Kratos then finishes her off and flees as the chamber begins to collapse, ending the Fury's judgment for good. Huh. Okay. Uh. All right. Well, Kratos has to win, you know? Uh, with the death of Orcos, Kratos is finally freed from both the Furies and his bond with Ares, the god of war. Upon his death, however, Kratos's memories of the death of his wife and child returned and would haunt him for the rest of his life. Oh my god. So he's, he's, he's not doing well either. That's how the whole series ends? I don't know. I, I don't think it's so because there's a modern series where he jumps into Norse mythology. Oh, okay. I also so like Norse mythology. Yeah, I know. Maybe we could do that sometime. Yeah. But uh, no, he kill he kills everyone. Yeah, that's what he does. Real quick, do you want me to just spoil the end of God of War? It's kind of interesting, sure. and there's no reason we're ever going to necessarily do it. Sure. So, God of War three is all about finding Pandora's box, which is another thing from Greek mythology, right? Like, you, I think for most people, and I haven't researched this, but mm -hmm. the the story is that you open Pandora's box, and all the evils of the world come out. Right. Right. So in in uh, God of War, <clears throat> the original game, you're trying to find the, the uh, Persephone's the the Pandora's box, mm -hmm. and in God of War three, you're trying to reopen it again. And at the end of that game, you are fighting every single god on Mount Olympus, exploring Mount Olymp Olympus, all the catacombs and everything. There's now been like a gigantic labyrinth constructed to hide the uh, uh, Pandora's box, but you found it. And when uh, Kratos finally opens it, it's empty. There's nothing in there at all. And so every time Kratos in this game kills a god, like he kills Poseidon, and the sea levels rise, and millions of people around the world are killed in floods. He, he kills, you know... Um, uh, I feel like he kills Hera or something like that, mm -hmm. and pestilence sweeps across the world, just like locusts swarming. So every time Kratos kills a god, you know, he kills Helios and the world goes dark. He right. kills Zeus and storms ravage the world. So the, the gods of all these things, they keep order to the world, right? Like, and mm -hmm. Kratos kills them, thereby throwing the world into chaos, and you find out that the last thing that was in the box, why it appeared to be empty, was hope. Hope has no embodiment. There's no, there's no visual to hope, necessarily. But so right. Kratos, killing all the gods, throws the world into absolute chaos. And yet, there is hope that order might once again come to the huh. world. And so in a weird way, God of War almost ends to explain why there are no gods today. 
Right. You know, the right. why there is no Zeus is because Kratos killed him. Kratos killed him. Kratos killed him. And so now this is our origin story. It is, because now this is why weather comes and goes. Uh-huh. You know, because Zeus does not control it and just keep things, you know. Nice. Like moving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's it's an interesting sort that's of. cool. It's actually kind of an interesting idea, I think. Yeah, that's sweet. It's also, you know, incredibly stupid. Yes, but still, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I like sure, it. certainly, certainly. Um, yeah. Well, there you go, everybody. Our first, uh, our first bite is. at the apple, at the pomegranate, at the, or at the uh, what was it called, the apple of destruction? Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Or what is it? The uh, the apple of discord. Our first bite at the apple of discord, everybody. That's right. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. Speaking of discord, I know. If you like this and you would like to support the show. Plus, get even more of the show. You can go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod. We have a bunch of different options for membership over there, and you can choose from things that will get you a bonus episode every month, every other week, or every single week, as well as access to a patron only Discord where super cool people are talking about interesting stuff, trading recommendations all the time. So if you go there to patreon.com slash GTTU pod, there is a ton of stuff to go through and you're helping support the show that you may be enjoying every week for free. And we appreciate it so much. Thank you so much to all of our current patrons and we hope to meet some new ones. Yeah. hundred percent. And honestly, um, just this past Monday, um, it's sitting there right now. Kristen and I took a look at Ghostbusters, the video game. So talk about, you know, the God of war here, like, Mm-hmm. Hearing about stories that you might not uh, engage with otherwise, we looked at what a lot of people previously considered to be the true Ghostbusters 3. Yes. Um, we looked at the entire thing. We spoiled the entire story and, and listened to clips and everything. So you can check that out to basically almost get the closest to like a commentary track from us mm-hmm. about Ghostbusters 3. Um, yep. Or, you know, what people feel like kind of was the original Ghostbusters 3. And on that note as well, this coming Monday, Kristen and I are going to be recording our review of the new Ghostbusters 3, the actual Ghostbusters 3, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is uh, in theaters right now. Kristen and I have both seen it. We have not Mm -hmm. spoken to each other about it yet, but that's going to be hitting the Guide to the Unknown Patreon on Monday. Right, um, that's going to be for our demon tier. So just go check out all those options and keep that in mind. Yeah, dive in, everybody. Really, we, we really, really hope you enjoy it. So that's patreon.com slash gttupod. Um, now, uh, make sure you check out gttupod.com where you can find links to everything we do, including merch. You can find our contact form. Um, we've gotten some uh, 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 people asking us about uh, sponsorships and advertisements. If you want to find out how to sponsor this show, make sure that you check out that page. Um, you can get in contact with us, either emailing us or find our P.O. box, um, which we've also had some requests for. Um, all of those links are on gttupod.com. Uh, follow at gttupod to keep up with this show every time a new show comes out. And you can also find us online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. And I am at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much to traveling to uh, Hades with us. Yes. It's kind of fun. We'll be back next week for more. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld go we. And that's all she wrote. And that is that.